So hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Accelerated Real Estate Investor with Josh Cantwell. Today, I have a very special guest. He's been on the podcast and the YouTube show numerous times. He is Darren Bloomquist, the Vice President of Market Economics at Auction.com. And he has been on the podcast numerous times going on at least 5 or 6 years to provide insight into what's going on with the housing market, how it impacts apartments, interest rates. Darren is regularly seen on shows like Squawk Box and CNBC and CNN and many of the major news outlets talking specifically about what's going on in the housing market. A lot of the major news publications rely on him and his input and his data uh, to kind of get a forecast of what's going on and what we can kind of expect. So we're excited to welcome Darren Bloomquist back to the show. Darren, hey, how are you? We're going to talk today about rising supply and falling sales and what's happening in the residential housing market and how that could possibly impact multifamily and apartment investments. So welcome back to the show. Thanks, Josh. It's always good to be here. Uh, I was just looking back at the show we did about three months ago, about a quarter ago, and we were anticipating what we're seeing here now in the retail market, but we were already talking about that we were, you know, forward thinking. <laughs> and and we were seeing it in our data from our real estate investors buying off the auction.com platform. And then you you were seeing it also with the investors that you talked to, is basically that that the market, it was nearly inevitable that we were going to start to see a slowdown in the market and in the retail market. And we're starting to see the early signs of that now with this data which we've now seen basically the chart on the left there is saying that we've seen, we've actually seen nine consecutive months, I think there with those blue bars Mm -hmm. where sales are down. And this is from the National Association of Realtors. But more importantly than just sales volume being down is the the line, the blue lighter blue line going up. Inventory is rising. And that's been the case for the last three months now is where we're seeing Sales continue to drop, sales volume continue to drop, inventory rising. And that's kind of the first domino to fall when you're going to see a market slowdown. And this is still not, you know, I mean, it's it's still early. The market is still, at least according to this data, is still very hot, but it's the early indication that we're seeing a market slowdown. There's more kind of on the ground, frontline anecdotal data that probably a lot of your listeners have heard. That indicates the market is continuing to slow down. Home price appreciation is still very strong, but that's you see the you see the demand fall off, and then you see the price appreciation slow down. And so, I would expect that home price appreciation on the right hand side there it's kind of moderating, but it's still at fifteen percent year over year nationwide. Right. Um, but I would expect that to fall down, uh, and and go probably by the end of this year, go into the single digits at the very least, at least on a national level. Interestingly enough, you know, this really, this data really supports a simple supply and demand conversation. Because if you look at home price appreciation prior to COVID, right? March of 2020, home price appreciation is in the 5% range. It's in the 7% range. It's in the 3% range. It's you know kind of pushing towards ten percent, but it's still in the single digits every quarter, every month in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of very normal ish growth. Then obviously in March, April, May, June, 
home price appreciation drops because nobody's outside of their houses and like nobody's going anywhere. Everyone's at home and masked up and scared. And then in July, the summer, things start to open up. There's no inventory to speak of. So prices start to skyrocket. And you can see that prices continue to skyrocket late 2020, 2021. Really going up, you know, twenty five percent home price appreciation in July of twenty twenty one. It's just unbelievable year over year, twenty five percent. So if you had a four hundred thousand dollar home and your house grew by twenty five percent, you made a hundred thousand dollars in that year over year difference. Amazing. And now, as you see, you know, rising interest rates, year over year sales slowing down, inventory going up. Home price appreciates and starting to temper a little bit, although it's still, like you said, Darren, fifteen percent, which is way above, way above the historical average. So, what does this kind of tell us about what the Federal Reserve is probably going to do? To me, this just indicates probably continued interest rate hikes to try to continue to kind of slow down the market a little bit. Don't you think? I think so. And that you know, I was actually again, I was going back and looking to see what we said last time to see if any of that actually came to fruition, but we were talking about the prospect of a recession versus inflation. And I still think the Fed is, from everything I see, is on the side of they'd rather, they don't want a recession, but they'd rather have a recession than runaway inflation, which includes home prices. So I would expect those interest rate rises to continue. There, there are other levers that they're pulling to stop buying mortgage-backed securities, which Helps to provide liquidity in the uh, in the real estate market. That's going to continue, which we would continue to see this trend in the housing market. And many people, including I think yourself and myself, would say that is the best path forward. Is a a path that gets this under control sooner rather than than later. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And the last time we talked, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about home price affordability. For the last several years, actually, especially in certain markets, coastal markets, and home price, you know, affordability was already becoming a major issue, and it was also driving up rents on commercial, multifamily, and apartments because you know home buyers were having trouble finding a home. Number one, and it was runaway, unaffordable. Number two, so those people were staying in apartments and renting. Which is good for for my business, but not really good for the overall market to have this unafford, you know, this non affordability issue. But as interest rates go up, you still have kind of another now affordability issue, which is your cost of capital. Your cost of your mortgage is more expensive. And as you saw in the previous slide, and as you mentioned, Darren, the cost of homes is still appreciating at fifteen percent per year. So what is this doing to homeowners as far as affordability? The constraints are kind of... It's almost like they're getting pushed on every side. It is. And it's its really surprising to me that the market has not, has not responded to affordability faster than it, than it has. But it's a little bit tough. But on the graph on the left, for those who are viewing this, and I know not everybody is, but basically showing the relationship between wage growth, income growth, and not just price change, but the change in their monthly payment on a medium priced home, which is really where the rubber meets the road, right? Mm-hmm. And so we really saw the shift, the increase in your monthly payment on a medium priced home for, for someone buying with a, with a median income uh, was 
or a medium priced home, I should say. It really shifted back in the beginning of 20, 2021, around February and March. We started to see the, the payment rise faster than wage growth, which is not a big deal. You know, you see that up and down, but that continued and has continued since then. And now, I mean, with the interest rates rising, the, the number that just sticks out to me is crazy is in May of this year, the monthly payment on a medium price home is up 51% from a year ago. Oh my. So home prices are up 15%, one five. If you're buying if you were buying the same house at the same price a year ago, and now you're buying that same house at the same price today. <laughs> Um, or excuse me, not at the same price, but at the price given the home price appreciation of 15%, your monthly payment on that home is is now 51% higher than it was a year ago. So if your monthly payment was $1,000, now it's Mm $1,500. That's a big big change. And that's, I think, why you see now that the market is finally starting to respond to that affordability that I thought it would respond to sooner, but just the the lack of supply and the strong demand was keeping it hot longer than I ex- had expected it to be. So when you say the market's responding, on the previous slide, we saw the year-over-year sales, the number of sales units is down. That's one metric of the market responding. Mm-hmm. Existing homes for sale, the inventory going up. That's another way that the market's responding. Yep. And you mentioned here about price drops. So tell our audience a little bit more about what you're seeing from a price drop perspective. Everybody thinks, oh, I've got to offer over market value. I've got to offer over list price. I've got to, there's all these bidding wars. Seems like that's starting to change. That's right. And this is data from Redfin, which is a little bit of a lead, leading the NAR data, which the data for June and for NAR won't come out until almost the end of July. So this is showing price drop. They're showing in the four weeks ending of June, ending June 12th, they saw the highest percentage of price drops in each of those four to 6% per week of homes that were listed for sale that had a price drop. And that was the highest since 2015. And then it really becomes, I think, interesting when you look at some of the markets where you're seeing a much higher percentage of price drops. So you see, they look at 108 markets nationwide, 53 out of those markets had more than 25% of the listings with a price drop in May. Wow. I mean, you look at the top markets, the, the top of the stack with the most, the highest percentage of price drops is Provo, Utah, with 48, almost 48% of the homes for sale had a price drop. And then you see Tacoma, Washington, Denver, Salt Lake City, Sacramento, Boise, Portland, Indianapolis, Philadelphia, Seattle, Harrisburg are the are the ones at the top of the list, all with a more than 40% of the homes for sale had a price drop in those areas. And the common denominator, at least with a lot of those, is those are also some of the markets that were experiencing the highest price growth, were considered some of the hottest markets in the country. And they're all yeah. on the West Coast. Utah. A lot of them are the West Coast. Oh, Indianapolis wow. is a little bit of an, ex- uh, and Philadelphia are a little bit of, of exceptions there. But Seattle, Ogden, Utah, Boise, Idaho, Sacramento, Salt Lake, some of the hottest markets, Denver, Washington, Provo, yeah. uh, San Diego, California is just, just below 40%, 37% of the homes that were listed 
had a price drop in May of 2022. So this whole idea of you've got to overpay and offer above list price is starting to see, especially on the West Coast, a lot of California or Stockton, California, Spokane, Washington, San Diego, California. And then you got a several in Florida, Tampa, North Point, um, New Orleans, Louisiana, Cape Coral. Some of those, those again, really hot markets that were just absolutely on fire. Now you're starting to see pretty significant, almost ha- you know, 40%, give or take, of the, the ones that are listed for sale are showing a price drop in May of 2022. We're recording this the second week of July. 2022. So whoa, we'll have to see because that big 75 BIP rate increase that just happened in June, right? And so the market tends to react first to what they think the Fed's going to do. And then the Fed is the last, uh, you know, kind of, they're the last to show up at the party and then they announce what they're doing and everybody's already reacted to it. So this May rise in interest rates was in anticipation of the Fed rate jump in June. Now, The market's adjusting again in June because we're anticipating another Fed rate jump here. I think it's in the next couple weeks they're meeting again, and we'll see probably another rate jump to continue to kind of level things off. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of mix of expectations when it comes to the Fed's expectations versus reality, but they very much try to telegraph what they're going to do. So the market has it baked in. There's not some big shock when when they raise the rates. But I would suspect that this is, yeah, and this is this is data from May, the real estate data that does tend to lag. But I would suspect this is going to get worse before it gets better, as sellers have to kind of come back to to earth and back to reality with what they can get for their homes, given the affordability environment that we're in. Yeah. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. I'm happy to see that the stuff that I invest in in the Midwest and the Southeast is not on this list. (laughs) And just seems to be, again, as we've talked about this before with Darren and with other guests on the show, that the coastlines uh, tend to be boom-bust markets. And this is just more data that supports the boom-bust where the boom was happening you know, along the coastlines. Um, and you're not seeing a bust right now, but you're definitely seeing some significant metrics like inventory going up, like year-over-year sales going down, uh, like the home price appreciation slowing down and people starting to uh, cut the prices on their listings. Those are four major points of data that all point towards prices leveling off and I don't think the Fed is in, you know, trying to create a, a bust here. But when you're in a market like uh, Seattle or other, you know, a lot, there's a lot of buying f- kind of fury, if you will, this kind of momentum that drives the market. Like, I want to get in, I want to get in, I want to get in. And then you just don't want to be the, the, the guy holding the bag who paid top dollar. 
And it looks like top dollar happened probably in March or April where things you know, still appreciating, but just not at the rate that they were. Yeah, uh, yeah. Really, really good data here. Uh, um, anything else on this, Darren, you want to cover before we move to the next and final slide? I would just say that, and we, we actually talked about this last time too, but some of the data in our metrics at auction.com were, were showing back in March that investors were starting to pull back. And I kind of, based on that data, I would say March was probably about the February, March were pro- was probably about the peak of the market <laughs> in hindsight, unless something completely, you know, things could change. But right now, that's what it looks like. And our investors were signaling that by pulling back on some of the metrics we see in our platform from February to March, and they continued to do so since then. So when we look at our June data, our buyers are building in back in uh, February, they were only building in a 9% discount below the as-is value of the homes they were buying on our platform. Not the after-repair value. The after-repair value discount was higher than that, but the as-is value discount was 9%. Now in June, it's almost doubled up to 17%. Mm. So they're they're saying, hey, to buy this property, we want instead of a, that 9% discount below as is value, we want 17%. That's an indication to me that they are being a lot more cautious. Yeah. We're we're definitely being more cautious as well with our apartment acquisitions. We have a deal that we just looked at and we're one of the last and final buyers. And the price that is probably going to trade at is about a million less than the seller indicated they wanted. There was a couple of different prices thrown out and it's not final. So I don't want to mention the price, but all I'm going to say is that with the fury, the buying fury that happened a year ago, I think the seller anticipated a certain price. The broker was a little bit more realistic with a, a little smaller expectation and the price that we're at. And there's one other buyer that's in the game is even below that number. And so the apartment buyers have pulled back as well, very similarly. Now, the other thing we wanted to talk about today, Darren, was this seriously delinquent mortgage, another lagging indicator that can add more inventory to the market and can kind of bring a market down. Our foreclosures, delinquencies, forbearances, these kind of things, because they take so long to work their way through the proverbial snake of the foreclosure process. And we still have a lot of borrowers that are seriously delinquent still from when COVID happened and everybody was given some you know, forbearance and some mortgage protection. Those were federal laws that were put in place to give people a foreclosure moratorium. That has to rectify itself over time. Tell us, what are you seeing of these seriously delinquent mortgages mm-hmm. kind of having their, their moment where they're, they're, they have to... It has to work its way out of the system somehow. Finally, looks like some of that's starting to happen. That's right. And I would say the good news is the red line there, the bright red line, which which those of you who are watching can see, is that ser- overall, seriously delinquent numbers are going down, and they're down going down fairly quickly. They're down to under a million, well under a million now. Uh, seriously delinquent loans at the peak during the pandemic. They were at 2.6 million. Yeah. So that's come down. Uh, before the pandemic, they were, I think, around 400,000. So we got, we got like two to 300,000 more than pre pandemic. So that's still elevated a little bit, but it's coming down, or I shouldn't say a little bit, but it's still elevated coming down. That's the good news. All those programs, I think we can say it's safe to say at this point, did prevent that kind of dreaded 
foreclosure tsunami that that some some folks feared that a crisis like that could trigger. So that's the good news. The other side of the coin, though, is that at some point there's some of these that have been delayed that would have happened. Some of these foreclosures that would have happened anyway, and those were held up by these blanket moratoria and forbearance programs, and those are finally coming through. And so when we look at what I call unprotected, seriously delinquent loans, those are rising, even though the overall are down. So we now, but the numbers are much smaller. So as of the end of May, there were 373,000 seriously delinquent mortgages that were not protected by forbearance. They're not protected by the moratorium anymore. That has expired. And they're also not protected by loss mitigation. So many of these forbearance delinquent loans went into loss mitigation where they could get some kind of payment adjustment to to try to get that homeowner or that loan performing again. None of that is true for these 373,000 loans. So those are going to be the highest risk for actually being foreclosed on in the future. And that 373,000 is up 91% from a year ago. Mm. And a year ago is right when the moratorium ended. So from that point where the moratorium ended, blanket moratorium, we're up 91%. That sounds scary, but it's 373,000 delinquent loans. Again, that was out of 2.6 million at the peak that, that are in this category, but that is going up. And then if we look at FHA specifically, which is in my mind, the highest risk going into this crisis, the highest risk mortgage product. Those that are seriously delinquent, but not protected by any of those programs, that number is up 100% between basically over the last year for those FHA loans. So there, there's more inventory coming here, but it's not, that, it's not that massive wave that would knock the, the market off of its rails. Now, of course, we have this macro stuff going on that we just talked about. That's a different matter, but this the delinquency piece in itself is not going to knock the market off of its rails, but it is going to provide more inventory for investors. Right. Yeah, more inventory would be a good thing. Appreciation at, you know, 5% is what historically 3 to 5% is what we had historically hoped for. You could make a lot of money in real estate with a simple three to five percent appreciation and another three percent principal paydown, right? Because then you're making roughly six to ten percent on your money just by owning the asset. Let it go up a little bit, pay down the principal a little bit. You get wealthy in real estate over time, right? It's the, the old adage of buy real estate and wait. Just buy it and wait, and you'll make money. But of course, the market isn't normal. The market just doesn't stay stagnant. There's always things going on. There's crisis. There's COVID. There's wars. There's the Federal Reserve keeping interest rates too low for too long and then raising them too fast. And nobody can quite get that right. But uh, (laughs) it still goes to show. You buy real estate at the right price. Make sure it cash flows. Hold it long term. And you're going to do really well with it. And I I had a great quote the other day, Darren, and we can kind of wrap up with this is, the only time you ever lose money in real estate is when you're forced to sell, right? You can't lose money if you're able to wait out the storm. And so the way you wait out the storm is by owning the asset, cash flowing the asset, make sure that you're rent positive, net free cash flow positive. And you can always wait out the storm and then sell when you want to. And that allows you to have options. 
I think where some people are realizing, a lot of our coaching students, listeners are realizing, you know, I've been flipping properties for the past five or eight years. It's gone really, really well, but this isn't going to last forever. So I better have some cash, you know, some assets that cash flow and not just be anticipating and expecting this wild appreciation. And I think that's maybe the lesson I'm taking away from this, Darren, is that this wild appreciation that we've been kind of accustomed to now, especially for the last 18 months, is going to start and it is starting to slow down. And it's going to continue to slow down because you're going to have more seriously delinquent mortgages. You're going to have higher interest rates. You have people dropping prices on on listings. You have more inventory and you have less sales. All the things that you mentioned today indicate a continued slowdown in the market and again, less less of this price appreciation and less of this price growth. Now, where's going to be the opportunity? I'm curious, Darren, if you thought three months from now, if you think about the buyers that are buying on your platform, a lot of investors buying on the platform, not that we have a crystal ball or can make any kind of prediction, but where do we think the opportunity might be? Is there going to be some more seriously delinquent mortgages, maybe some more foreclosures that you can buy at a major discount? Yeah. I think as you're talking about that, what stands out to me is this is a moment in time where an investor has to say, okay, there's actually a coming opportunity. It may not be as big as the Great Recession, but there's this opportunity coming where I can buy at a dis. I'll be able to buy more properties at a discount, but I'll ha- it'll take a little bit of of a gut check to do that because this is going to be a point where people are going to be looking at some of these scary numbers and running away from the real estate market. And this is where a long-term real estate investor that you're talking about is going to run to the real estate market. And so there's going to be that opportunity. I think to your point, the places, parts of the country that are the best opportunities in many ways are those... What I just talked to an investor the other day who coaches students nationwide, and he's pushing them away from what he calls the dynamic cyclical markets, the ones with all those price drops that we talked about a minute ago, and towards the linear market, what he calls the linear markets, which are the more of the, the middle of the country, slow and steady markets that don't, uh, don't have as, as volatile fluctuations. I, I do think that's certainly one approach. The folks who maybe have a little more <laughs> Risk tolerance will go to some of those more dynamic markets and try to to make that work. But in, I think in both cases, there's going to be a the, the patience that you mentioned is a huge piece of it. Is saying there's an opportunity to buy right now when every when a lot of folks are running away from the real estate market. But that doesn't mean my exit strategy is going to give me instant gratification right now in this type of a market. So I may need to to have that patience in view. Yeah, it doesn't have to be again if you're a Realtor, maybe a flipper, a wholesaler, it's all about buy and sell, buy and sell, buy and sell. It's very transactional. It's going to be tougher to do that because you're going to have sellers who have an unrealistic sales price because they're emotionally attached to the price that they could have got six months ago or a year ago. And they're going to want you to pay more. And if your strategy is to buy and sell, you're at risk of buying high and selling low. Right, instead of buying low and selling high. And so, as long as you're looking at your numbers, whether it's an apartment building, whether it's a duplex, whether it's a quad, whether it's a single family residential, whether it's, you know, is to look at that and say, can I buy it at the right price, make the improvement, do the value add and hold it maybe for two to five years? 
And then after this recession slowdown happens, what I anticipate is the Fed will probably over overcorrect, which is what they normally do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll raise rates too high, too far, too fast, which is what they normally do. We will have a recession. Things will slow down. And then what's the Fed going to have to do? They're going to have to stimulate the market with new capital and lower rates. The market will pick back up. And then that's a good time to sell. So just buying right and buying for cash flow, I think is the lesson here because flipping opportunities are going to come from buying at a deeper discount. It's not going to be from buying at retail, which is what a lot of people have been doing and hoping that retail go- keeps going up. Right. I think about the guy, Darren, I rented a house in Naples back in April for spring break with my kids. It was a house that a year ago or two years ago would have sold for five, six, seven hundred grand. I talked to the property manager. I said, Hey, if you listed this house right now for sale, what do you think you'd list it for? And I almost fell out of my chair. He said, 1.75 million. Wow. And I looked at the amount of money I was paying him for, for it was an Airbnb. I'm thinking, okay, I'm paying you roughly 300 bucks a night. Even if this place is listed out or rented out all 30 nights this month, you're only getting $9,000 of income. If you've got the property taxes to pay, the property manager, the insurance, the water and sewer bill, because of course there's a pool there. And then you have a massive mortgage on a $1.7 million property. Let's say your mortgage is a million two or a million five. You are probably upside down, right? That's the buyer that I'm most afraid for. I agree. That bought yeah. that house thinking prices were going to continue to go up. Now the prices are going to start to you know, stabilize out or possibly even come down through some, some price drops and some price cuts on the MLS. And that guy's not going to have enough cash flow to carry it. And he's actually going to have bought high and sell low, right? That's going to happen to some people who bought back in, let's say, April or March of this year, expecting more and more and more appreciation. So hopefully our audience didn't get caught by that. And they've still focused on buying at a discount, buying value add, and they're looking at long-term dollars. Absolutely. Yeah. And this, this page is really capturing the pandemic distress. What you're talking about is, is like a second step. It's the distress that we might see come out of the stimulus that resulted, that was a reaction to the pandemic. And I'm a little bit concerned about that more than I am about the actual distress caused by the pandemic itself. Yeah. Fantastic stuff, Darren. Listen, if our audience wants to read your reports, it's always auction.com slash in the news. Is that right? Is that still the place to go? That's right. Yep. Okay. Auction.com slash in the news is where Darren produces all kinds of data reports. He's got a great team that works with him to produce this stuff. We only covered a small fraction of all the data and information that Darren could have shared. We'll have him back on the show really soon. But make sure you go to auction.com, bid on the properties there. There's going to be more opportunity there for you. And then make sure you read up on your on Darren's research reports at auction.com slash in the news. Darren, thanks again for carving out some time for us. This is always a blast. Yeah. You too. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. You were just listening to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, help us build the AI community by leaving a review and five-star rating on our iTunes podcast channel. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. To see passive investing opportunities, visit freelandventures.com slash passive. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of with multifamily apartments, 
Apply for one-on-one coaching with Josh at www.joshcantwellcoaching.com.